episode of Arte Labore, a Blackburn Rovers podcast from the Lancashire Telegraph. FA Cup success for Blackburn Rovers and a busy start to the tran- January transfer window. I'm Ellie Jackson and of course joined by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, hello. How are you? Hi, Elliot. Yeah, all good today. Thank you, mate. It's um, been a busy week already this week. Uh, been down south, down to the, uh, that was the, the colder south, that was actually. The what, what was yeah, that? Like yeah, it was. I, I've lost my head already. You and went I am really like the, yeah, 30 seconds in. But uh, it was definitely colder down south, which surprised me. So, um, yeah, I've been down there this week and uh, it's like the first full week back to work, isn't it? So it's mm-hmm. still the adjustment period. It's still the actually, yeah, I've got to have a routine rather than just sleep into when I want and drink lots of beer and eat lots of food and all of that. So the realities of life. But I'm, I'm doing OK. Doing okay, thank you. He goes to Reading for one day and he goes soft. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a busy old week for Blackburn Rovers as well. I think I've probably had my busiest day covering the club in just shy of two years uh, on the Rovers beat last Friday with two new signings and the exit of Captain Lewis Travis on loan. We are going to start with the January transfer window because I think there's so much to get into and so much... I think people just are a bit more interested, to be honest, than a than a, a victory in the FA Cup over Cambridge, which we will, of course, touch on and go through later in the podcast. But let's start with the January window and let's go back to last Friday when Lancashire Telegraph broke the story that Lewis Travis was set to leave on loan to Ipswich. And uh, we did a big inside story on the relationship between Travis and Jon, sort of just trying to explain why this is happening give both sides of the argument and try and give a balanced view and an objective view on why in some ways it's a good thing and in others it's a complete contradiction of the what the club needs in terms of the squad and what Jon has been saying very publicly in the media. Um, so obviously with Travis, uh, we reported that the main reason for his exit was the fact that he wants to play as a holding midfielder, he wants to play as the number six, which has obviously been occupied by Sandre Tronstad and was was occupied by Adam Walton before that with Travis having to play further forward. And I think we'd all agree that using him in that right number eight role was clunky at times. It didn't bring probably the best of his skill set. Now, I think Jon's argument in terms of not playing him there would be, is Lewis Travis good enough on the ball to play the style of football he wants as that pivot? It's so important that they can receive the ball under pressure break the lines with their passes. And we know Adam Wharton in particular is very good at that. His, his quality on the ball is second to none in the squad. Um, obviously, doesn't quite have the same defensive qualities as Tronstad or Lewis Travis, in fairness. But Tronstad's probably a nice hybrid of the two, is pro- what, what my honest assessment would be between Travis and Wharton. So he wasn't getting game time in the position he felt would get the most out of him, which was as a holding midfielder where he made his name under Tony Mowbray. And of course, game time was another big factor because Lewis Travis hasn't started a championship game, hadn't started a championship game for Blackburn Rovers in central midfield since the start of October against Leicester. So when he has played, although he's started a few games since then, it's been at fullback covering for injuries when uh, Britain was suspended, um, when James Hill was out and, and various other things. So he's not played where he wants to and uh, he's not played in the role he wants to and what he thinks can get the best out of him. So he left on loan. Jon says he came to the club in the summer and in October and said he wanted to leave. I, I'm under, it's my understanding that, that that is born more out of the, for the reasons that we've just discussed, rather than the fact that he wanted to leave Blackburn Rovers. I think it was the situation rather than anything to do with the club. And having interviewed and spoke to Lewis Travis many times, 
it's not really in his nature to run away from a fight. It's not really in his character to up sticks and leave lightly. So yes, I'm sure he jumped at the chance when he when he thought I might be moving on in January and second in the league at Switch Town come calling on a loan deal that everyone can agree to. I'm sure he was jumping up and down because it's the best scenario if he's going to leave. But I don't think this is a case of Lewis Travis just wanting to up sticks and get out of Blackburn Rovers specifically. I think there was a I don't there, that hasn't I don't think there's been a falling out and Jon certainly suggested there wasn't a falling out and I, I don't think there has been a big bust up as people imagine it. But naturally if if your captain is not getting what he wants and he feels like he's not getting the answers from the the head coach about why that is, there's going to be a little bit of friction. Um, and there's there's always friction in any dressing room and any relationship if players aren't playing. And that's just football. And that's what Jon put this down to. Now, of course, the obviously jarring thing is the fact that Jon, within the same working week after the Rotherham draw, had spoken quite in depth about the fact that Rovers needed more experience. And not just experience in terms of age, but experience in terms of players that are durable to play 46 championship games, are durable to play three games in a week. Now, Lewis Travis is one of the very few that Rovers do, did have that could do that with with just shy of 200 championship appearances to his name in blue and white halves. So that is where the big juxtaposition comes. And I think the fact that that came on the Friday, having just made a big song and dance on the Monday about the need for that that type of experience, that is what why this deal has gone down like a lead balloon with the supporters. Uh, it has gone down like a lead balloon and, and juxtaposition is is the right word, Elliot. So I think if we start with that juxtaposition against the backdrop of, what was it, seven defeats in eight and the recent run of form that we've had against the backdrop of a, a small squad, an inexperienced squad, and against that backdrop of everything that JDT has been saying, you know, this looks very strange and, and it cuts and it hurts. But actually, if I break this down objectively and think about all the component parts the end result is the thing I'm not happy about, but actually I can understand why it's happened. Um, you know, this is a guy who's 26 years old, um, who's coming into that so-called peak of his career, and he's given a lot of blood, sweat and tears to Rovers. And I think Lewis Travis, by his own admissions, would admit that there have been times in some of the seasons where he's been Lewis Travis that we know and love. And there's probably been times when he's not hit the levels that he had. I think well, we the saw, one thing that. That you cannot... saw that just in yeah. last season, didn't we? Because he obviously wasn't we great did. in December, got dropped in January and then was unbelievable in February when Rovers had that brilliant run in the FA Cup. Mm, absolutely. Um, the one thing that you can't deny with Lewis Travis, though, is he absolutely bleeds blue and white uh, and loves the club. And, and that's come out loud and clear with with the stuff that, that you've been talking about there that, that you've done with him. Um. I think where he's really struggled and where it cuts Lewis Travis is you're right to highlight the fact he's club captain. Because when you are club captain, I think that comes with a certain amount of protection, grandeur, um, respect, all of those things that you would expect from your manager as a club captain. And for Lewis Travis to sit there and see Sondra Tronstad, as excellent as he has been this season, come in and effectively nab his place and see Adam Wharton, probably a lad who he saw in in the academy aged eight, nine years old, come and take his place as well. That hurts Lewis Travis. As you say, he's he's one that is full of respect for himself and full of respect for the club. So the moment that he's lost his place and the moment that it's clear to Lewis Travis that he's not going to oust these two, and actually, I've got to break it down objectively as well. The run of form that Rovers have had recently... I think it's fair to say Wharton and Tronstad have been playing really well, and that's the other unlucky yeah, factor Lewis as Travis well. Travis wouldn't get in Blackburn Rovers' best eleven unless. But I think there's an argument with the run they're on currently 
that you, you could have changed formation to get him in as well. But if we're being objective Absolutely. and saying you have to play 4-2-3-1, which is what Rovers have generally played, or 4-3-3, whatever. Um, Sandro Transfer and Adam Walton are the first choice. Mm. And rightly so. The problem is it's a squad game. Players get injured, as yeah. Rovers well, well know. And you are allowed to change your formation. You're allowed to mix things up. So that's the point. And, it, and and that's right. So objectively, when you look at it and you bring all the component parts together, you can absolutely understand why Lewis Travis is not in the starting eleven at the moment. My main disappointment as a Rovers fan is the end result is he's going out on loan to Ipswich. How have we not come to some form of resolution? How have we not been able to resolve that between JDT and Travis with the state of the squad at the moment? That's the really disappointing thing for me. Um, we've already lost Daryl Enehan in recent years, you know, a club captain, someone who's come through the academy. That one really hurt when he left in the way that he did. And this one hurts not as much because obviously it's only on loan and we will get him back. But it really hurts me that the lad that's come through the academy, given everything to the team, bleeds blue and white. Yes, he's lost his place. Yes, he's not great. In the, he's not in the, the starting eleven at the moment in terms of best available players. Why is it led to him going out on loan to Ipswich? For the record, I absolutely do not have any. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not bothered that Lewis Travis has done that in that sense. When it's a footballing decision, going to Ipswich, as you say, they're going to be in the top six this season. You've got a chance to be part of a promotion team, and actually for Ipswich, what they are getting, like what a player they're getting, as you know. Firstly, I think it'll be cover for Sam Morsey, but I expect Lewis Travis to break into that team actually, and then I think we'll be looking longingly over to Suffolk in March, April time, looking at Lewis Travis involved in a top six battle, thinking, ooh, wish we had Lewis Travis in our I starting eleven. that's another point, isn't it, that you raised? Because I think a lot of people, I think we can make our points about is he suited enough to Jon's style of play? Does he get in the best eleven? And my honest opinion is no on that. And I'm, you know, happy to to be upfront and honest about that. But, you know, if he's good enough for Ipswich, why is he not good enough for 17th in the league? And that mm. is what fans will say, isn't it? That will be the argument yeah. against that. Yeah, absolutely right. And and fans are right to do that. And, you know, the thing I just want to say, make no mistake, Lewis Travis should not be leaving this football club on loan. We should not be allowing the club captain to leave on loan to another team in this division. Yes, we're probably not going to make top six in Ipswich rule, but they are still a championship rival. So it really hurts the manner and the way that this has happened. Uh, I will judge my overall annoyance at the end of the window. Let's right, see what okay. Rovers do with the money that's been freed up. You know, we might have a, a cheeky loan from a Premier League club there. We might be able to, I don't know, get someone like Lewis O'Brien again. I don't know. Let's see what Greg and the recruitment team are able to pull out of the hat at the end of the window. But at this moment in time, Rovers are weaker without Lewis Travis. We have not suitably replaced Lewis Travis at this moment in time. And we've got 20 days to put that right. Yes, you're abso absolutely right. Um, and... You're right to highlight the finances that has obviously come into this because if Jon's not going to use him or there's a little bit of friction there and he's not happy in the camp, you know, you don't want an unhappy captain walking around Brockel, um, to be to be frank, then he is one of the higher earners at the club. He's still got two years left, so it'll be really interesting to see how this evolves in the summer one way or another because it feels very difficult right now because of how raw the situation is to imagine how this situation changes in the summer unless he goes and absolutely you know flies at Ipswich and it's 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 he's undroppable for Rovers it's it's hard to see how the situation changes right now and there's a long way to go till the summer so it's probably a bit pointless talking about it what has happened at least Ryan with some of those wages that have been freed up by Travis going out 
is the fact that Yasin Ayari and Ben Kriseni have come in to bolster the squad. Central midfielder uh, Ayari, we've obviously got a first look at him against Cambridge as a substitute, which we'll talk about. Um, on loan at Coventry in the first half of the season, didn't play as much football as he would have liked. Um, particularly once Callum O'Hare and, and Casey Palmer got back to full fitness, they were sort of the, the more preferred number 10s or the attacking midfield options for Mark Robbins. Um, and also Chris Enney coming in as a left-back. I think this could be quite shrewd. I've never seen him play, and I didn't really know who he was when I got told that he was signing, other than the fact that I remembered signing him on Football Manager once um, as an option at left-back, and he was pretty highly rated then. But I don't judge all signings by Football Manager. So I think... Looking at some of his Y Scout clips, and I, I've done a bit of a scouting report this morning, Thursday morning. Um, if you go on Lash Telegraph, there's quite a detailed piece looking at some of his clips, some of his um, touch maps, and things like that, and trying to break down what these two will offer to the squad. And I think with Chris Enney, it looks like from his profile, he will be quite a good op- uh, a different option to Pickering because I think, you know, I've been pretty uh, clear that I think Pickering's best qualities are definitely on the ball. He's not your typical old school fullback wing back that that wants to bomb forward that can beat a man with a bit of pace or a little bit of athleticism and trickery. I think Harry Pickering is an incredibly intelligent player, but he's particularly good at playing that inverted role, helping with build up. And I do think at times Rovers just need another option where they've got someone that's that's got a bit of pace that can stretch beyond and and maybe be a bit more impactful in the final third. Um, and just as a different option, um, and I think Kriseni will offer them that. He certainly, from the clips I've watched, is someone that's not afraid to take players on, to drive up the touchline, and certainly wants to get forward in, in more of your old school fullback role. And I think having that variety with Pickering um, as someone that's so important to the team, so important for build-up, clearly very trusted by Jan, but just another option that, you know, if Rovers wanted to go to a back five, for example, at any point, I would not think that the left wing-back role does not suit Harry Pickering. Harry Pickering would actually be better playing left centre-back in a back five, in my opinion. And how, and then you've got someone like Crescenti who could play as the wing-back. And then it can also move into a four when you've got the ball. And I just think it just opens up a few more options tactically for the squad. Um, and they can, I definitely could see where they could play together personally, where you could see Crescenti just in front of him. And that whether that's in a difficult away game where you shift between a four and a five and Pickering moves from left-back to left centre-back. And I think he, he he could be a shrewd addition. I've never seen him play, so that's just me looking at video clips and, and trying to analyse the situation without watching him play, um, which is all we can do at this stage. But I suppose the, the biggest concern is, again, two more young players. It's a, a 20-year-old and a 19-year-old coming into the squad. Um, from what I've been told about Chris Senny, speaking to some of the media team who have obviously interviewed him and dealt with him in this first week, quite a vocal character, very similar to James Hill, where coming from a Premier League club, he's quite... You know, he's, he's, he's a young head on, um, he's an old head on young shoulders, a bit like James Hill was in the profile they've signed him. You know, sometimes you get teenagers that are obviously quite introvert, quite within themselves, don't want to speak to the media. I think Chris Enney's more like James Hill's mould, which is good because they need leaders. They need people who can, you know, speak in the dressing room. They can't carry any more kids um, in the metaphorical sense. So they still need to replace Lewis Travis. They've still got far more to do in the window, but relatively positive on these two signings but as you say it's got to be the start and there's got to be more and there has to be an experienced placement for Travis that comes in 
it has to be the start. So on the, the 11th of January, uh, let's get a little timestamp on that. I am detaching these two transfers from Lewis Travis. Uh, I think it's just unfortunate everything happened on the same day. So it's all been kind of molded into people's minds. I agree. Uh, but if, if we just take that objective view on things, uh, Rovers are a very trusted pair of hands for Premier League clubs to send their youngsters on loan. And we've had some great success with that. James Hill, obviously the recent one. We've had Van Hecker, we've had Harvey Elliott, we've had Tosin Adarabayo. So as part of that strategy and as part of the things we've been chatting about on this pod, loaning to Premier League youngsters, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't mind that because we've had some great joy and success with that in the past. Let's just not think it's a Lewis Travis replacement unless he is Lewis Travis's replacement well, on the 31st of January. exact words were, <laughs> I hope not. In, in the, <laughs> yeah, the question, and I hope whether... not too. Yasin Azyari was a direct replacement for Lewis Travis, so they needed someone else. He said, I hope not. So hopefully there is more experience coming through the door. That's it. So let's take these players for for who they are against that strategy that we've spoken about. Uh, Kriseni, I agree with you. I think it's a really, really shrewd signing. Um, I also have not seen him and don't know too much about him. But based on what you've told me, I think the thing that we've not seen from Harry Pickering is the stuff he did away at Hull. That goal he scored away at Hull, that's the stuff Mm -hmm. I'm begging Harry Pickering to do. Get yourself forward, be an attacking option, go and do those things. We've just not quite seen it enough from Harry Pickering. And whether that's tactical instruction, whether that's confidence, uh, whether it's a step up from League One to Championship level, we saw him do all those things uh, for crew, but we've not quite seen it at Rovers. And on his day, he can be a really good attacking threat. Um, So if we do need to bring in someone who's a bit more natural at doing that and a bit more confident at doing that, that formational switch that you've spoken about there, who would have thought that Amari Bell would go and be a left-sided centre-back for Luton? Mm. And he's done that really well for Luton. And when he played at Ewood Park last season, he really showed, actually, yeah, he's a damn good left-sided centre-back. And he's doing it in the Premier League now as well. So I agree with your point. I actually do think that Harry Pickering could be converted in that way as well if we did want to do that switch to wing-back. And Kriseni, you know, with that that youthfulness, 19, did you say he is? Yeah. You know, he might be one that just decides to bomb on down that left side and, and be a really good option for us. So as cover for our first choice left back, as part of that strategy of loaning Premier League loans and giving us a different attacking option down that left side, I think it's a great signing for Rovers and, and good to build up trust with another Premier League club. We've clearly got trust with Brighton. We've clearly got trust with Liverpool. We've had a little bit of trust, I think, with Man City in the past. No harm adding Aston Villa to that uh, that list as well. So good for us to do that with Villa and, and show that we can take their players. Ayari is uh, another one that I don't know much about, but any numbers in that central midfield area for me are good numbers because we've reflected on the tiredness in the squad. We've reflected on the minutes that people like Sam Smodic are putting in as well. So if someone like Ayari, who I don't expect to be a starter for a while, are coming off the bench and helping us maintain the energy levels in games and being a nuisance and a pest and and obviously doing those things in the attacking third. Again, I think it's a smart signing because I think the thing we have struggled with this season is subs coming off the bench and either making an impact or helping Rovers maintain levels in games. So if Ayari can come on for the likes of Adam Wharton or Sam Smodic and help us maintain those levels, again, I think it's a really smart signing in that regard. But um, it's probably one I'm less excited about compared to Kriseni. I think Kriseni, we were just begging for that cover in that position and now we've got it. Let's see how IRE fits into this because we've got to remember, we've got Wharton, we've got Tronstad, we've let Travis go, we've got Jake Garrett, all these things. Uh, where does he fit in? That's the, my main my main question mark in my mind. I think but in terms good. of... Sorry, go on. 
I was just going to say good that, you know, it's another one from Brighton because I'm waiting for Rovers to get that loan where I look at someone like Julio Enciso at Brighton, who we're never loaning in a million years. But if we can catch a loan like that, where we've clearly got someone who should be at Premier League level playing in the Championship, I just want us to catch one of those Brighton loans at the right time. We got it with Van Hecker. He obviously got our player of the season. But I'm just talking someone who can, who we can steal just under the radar, who might get 10 assists or 10 goals or something like that because they're clearly too good for the division. So keeping Brighton onside is a good thing as well in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And with Viari, I think he'll probably fit in. It probably is a replacement for Travis in terms of the squad, but obviously not in terms of profile because it, he he will probably play in one of those number eight roles. I think that's where he's best suited. Um, he might play a little bit off, off one of the sides like Morin has. I think Morin's definitely better in the middle as well, but he's had to play on the right and he's largely done a good job. But I think, you know, we talk about Pickering and we talk about the players in the squad. They're, they're going to need rotating. They're going to need resting. They're going to need they're going to need freshening up at times. And Rovers haven't been able to do that. I don't think Jon's trusted his bench anywhere near as much this season. I don't think he's used it as much or been as proactive with Suds because he probably doesn't feel that what he's got available is going to improve the team. It's probably only going to weaken it. And with the injuries Rovers has have had, that's a pretty understandable stance to take. In terms of where do they look next? So they've obviously brought in a central midfielder and a left back. Um, Jan wants two centre-backs because James Hill has now gone back, as we discussed on last week's podcast. It That has been confirmed on Wednesday. Um we have to assume there's another there's a replacement for Lewis Travis coming in, whether that's a direct replacement in terms of a central midfielder or someone with that experience in a different area of the pitch. I don't know, but I would expect someone with experience sort of in that Trav mould to come in. And I think a forward is definitely on the cards, whether that's a forward in terms of a number nine, whether that's someone who can play off across the front line, um, particularly off the right. I still think right wing has been a real problem for them all season. Um, and that could open the door as well for a potential exit because I suppose if they sign a forward, whether that's a right winger, you're looking at Mark Conde and going, probably needs to go out on loan then. If they were to sign another number nine, you'd probably say they've got four then, albeit Gallagher and Ennis have been uh, unreliable in terms of their fitness. But if they signed a number nine, they'd have four, which is probably one too many. So you'd be looking at Harry Leonard and saying, would, uh, would six months in League One doing good? Or even Niall Ennis has been linked away this week. I've not... Uh, verified those links and um, nothing's imminent on that front but Nylans has been linked away played for the under 21s last night and scored two which is good I'd be surprised if Ennis went on loan personally I suppose it depends what the wage bill looks like and the sort of who comes in in terms of if they did bring a number nine in so I, I do think there's potential for maybe one of the strikers to go on loan if they sign a number nine or maybe Marconde if they sign a right winger but that's sort of the areas Rovers are looking at I definitely think right wing's been a problem all season. I know Hedges has been out, but even looking at it in the summer, I was thinking they probably need a right winger because Marconde didn't do it last season, albeit I don't think he had that many opportunities. And then he went to Aberdeen, had a horrendous loan. So nothing really changed. So I don't know why suddenly we'd expect him to come in and be be trusted by Jan to, to make a real impact. And he hasn't, if we're being honest. He needs another loan, in my opinion. So Hedges is just coming back at the end of January. He's been out for four months, so he's not exactly going to be ready to go straight away. So for me, I think a right winger would be very important. They want two centre-backs. Jan wanted two centre-backs in the summer, if we're being honest. He wanted to replace Ayala and Phillips in the summer. That obviously didn't happen. Um, you've lost James Hill as well, who was cover at right back. JRC should be back at the end of the month, so that's probably okay. So two centre-backs, a forward, and, and maybe something in midfield or, or somewhere across the squad to replace Travis's experience is what I'm expecting 
Rovers to do. I do think there'll be outgoings as well in terms of certainly loans and as we've just spoke about a couple of players there. So I, although Rovers haven't got a lot of money to deal with um, in terms of pure transfer fees, I think it's going to be still a, another busy three weeks. Uh, well, I hope it is because last week we identified in we right back, centre back, and right wing, and then potentially something in the striking positions as uh, as the ones where we wanted replacements. And they've done positions where we said, well, we probably would have had left back cover, but yeah. against those other areas, you know, it's it's probably lower down the list. So um, we do need those replacements. I really hope we can get this O'Ride and transfer over the line. I should probably just give um, a, just give a bit of an update. Yeah, it'd be good bring, if you could bring yeah. him up. So. I reported last week that it was pretty much done. I think that was a little bit premature from the information I'd had. I've still, you know, as I say, just to give people a bit of an insight into what it's like trying to cover transfer windows as a journalist, things change so quickly. And the timeline, you can report something in good faith and the time, and you could be here on the timeline. I, re- I realise I'm pointing at a camera on a podcast, which is a bit daft. But the 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 story can move on and you might be accurate as of when you reported it but things can change very quickly obviously i i pretty much said it was going to be the first sign of the window that is obviously not the case because two new players have already signed however I, there's definitely an interest yon yon confirmed there was um interest in his press conference on friday um the the sticking point is over the fee so there's a 500,000 pound release clause that that is true Rovers don't have £500,000 to pay up front right here, right now because of the various cash flow issues we've spoken about in India and that's well documented. What they can do, and they are prepared to pay the £500,000 fee to get um, O'Reardon because I do think they really like him, but they'd have to structure a deal with Crew like they did with Harry Pickering because that wasn't all up front where they pay a little bit now, play a little bit in 12 months, 24 months. We've all played football managers. You understand how it works in installments, basically. So there's still negotiations basically going on about the payment structure. I think crew are basically holding out for as much as they can get up front because they've got their own financial concerns, I believe, from what I've, I've heard. So I think they want the money up front or as much up front as possible. I think there's a little bit of brinkmanship, bit of negotiation going on. O'Reardon does want to come to Blackburn. I still think it will get done, but it certainly is not as much of a sure bet as I reported last week. And, and things change and people have to understand that the transfer window, you can report something in good faith and very rare that I or any journalist would put their name to a story and say, this is definitely happening. This is going to be the first deal if I didn't genuinely believe that was the case. So jump the gun slightly on that one. I think it's fair to say, but... They're definitely still interested. There's negotiations going on. And basically, I suppose it comes down to crew are going to wait a little bit, probably, and see if they can get more of the 500 grand up front because there are other clubs interested. But the fact no one's come in and just done it probably suggests that Rovers are still in the driving seat and those are the noises I'm still getting. So we'll have to see if the clubs can come to some agreement on on the fee. And ultimately, for Rovers, if they've not got that money to pay up front, they haven't got it. You, you know, they can't magic it out of thin air. And that's, that's that's sort of the situation on O'Reardon, um, as I understand it at the time of recording. Thank you. I mean, it's it's disappointing that it's not been done, but obviously I understand the reasons for the delay. And and if Rovers fans needed a reminder of the situation we are in, it's it's right there, isn't it? Within this transfer, um, you know, this should be one that we can get over the line, but for whatever reason we can't. Um, I really hope that we don't get. Uh, outbid or or nabbed at the post with this one because he appears to be a player that fits the strategy and fits the mould of what we want to do. And let's be fair to Harry Pickering, as as much as 
Rovers fans might want to see more from him in terms of an attacking output. Uh, you cannot deny what Harry Pickering has done to this squad over the last two seasons. You know, he is one one of the, the first names on the team sheet in the regard of he's always available. Uh, a very reliable player, a very trusted player for us at left-back. So clearly a pedigree there from Cruz Academy, as, as there has always been. So getting someone like O'Reardon over the line is is something that I really want us to do. I do wonder, Elliot, um, you know, I don't know if there's any knowledge that you've got there. Again, this could just be me surmising. If the money is that tight and we've been let known about a player or something different that we could do with the 500k or whatever money we have got up front are we sniffing around something else i don't know um you know if if the money is that tight we've got to spend it really wisely haven't we but they've got, i think on the face got a wage bill to, they're almost separate entities like the loans they can bring in they've got a wage bill they've got to stick to and how they b- budget that and juggle that around in terms of like travis going out for example etc is up to them um it's just in terms of like liquid cash to put in a transfer fee. That's that's obviously mm. hard to come by at the minute because of the issues with the Venki. So I've not heard really of any deal other than O'Reardon that would be a permanent that would require a fee. Um, yeah. You know, you think of the sort of other areas they're looking at, particularly any sort of forward is going to be a loan because they're just not going to be able to afford it, are they? Like forwards cost the most money. Right. And what are they going to be able to pick up for less than 500 grand really that would impact the squad. So I I expect loans to be a large part of Rovers dealings ultimately because they've got the most flexibility, I suppose, wiggle room to move around the wage bill as as they see fit. Whereas you unless they sell a player, you can't do Mm. that really with the uh with obviously a transfer budget per se. I think if it is O'Reardon as, you know, the youthful option, if there is another centre-back, the right winger that you spoke about, and a striker, you know, I think Rovers need them in the mould of what we had this time last January. Sorba Thomas mm. and Lewis O'Brien, as it should have been, you know, they are two absolute stellar signings at championship level. So I hope that that's what the club are looking at. I hope it's that type of player that is basically people that are going to be able to hit the ground running and really start challenging for a starting eleven position. I think the one thing that Rovers have done really well, which makes your job difficult, Elliot, is some of these signings have come from nowhere over the last 18 months. Yeah, definitely like, the wow. European market <laughs> opening up has made that. There's very few deals that go for it, Rovers, that I or you know Andy Bays at BBC Radio Lancashire that, that we're not aware of in some capacity. Whether we can always report them is a different matter. Um, but it's very rare deals go through. There have been a couple, you know, I'll, I'm quite happy to be honest, you know, I'll shout and put it on Twitter when I've got an exclusive and I've, I've pulled one out back. I had no idea they were signing Sandre Tronstad and I had no idea that Samir Tilelovic was coming in because that it's incredibly hard. Mm. We, you know, we've all got contacts, you know, we've got agents we speak to, we've got people at the club, we've, we've got sources that we use to, to sound out these transfers. It's very hard to have your net cast as wide as Scandinavia and, and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, the, the more left field they go, the harder it is to pick up on. Um, but yeah, usually, usually whether we can report it or not or whether we get a nudge that it's happening and we, we hold it and things like that, these are the sort of things that go on behind the scenes that people maybe don't understand. So very few that go through the mm. without us having some awareness of them. Um, but certainly the foreign ones are certainly harder to pick up on. And, and with Tronstan and Telelovic, I, I didn't know they were... I knew they were signing, but I didn't know who they were or the fact that they were coming in before I got told. 
and I think with the respective fees and loan fees or whatever, obviously those markets, we get more bang for our buck, don't we, in terms of, of what we can get, you know, a, a loan fee for a Premier League player, we might be able to pick up two, you know, we might be able to get Tronstad and Talalovic for that money. So mm. I'm not surprised that that European market is the one we're looking at. But I think the main thing, you know, the only names we've had linked are O'Reard and, and I think you've dismissed Cresswell and, and Gelhart. Yeah, Cresswell, um, I've, not, I've not really heard that that's really a thing, to be honest. But that doesn't, again, that's just my, who I'm talking to. There's so many people, so many agents, so many people in recruitment. Just because I've not heard it doesn't mean it's true, but I can only write about what I believe to be true and what mm. I've verified. Um, I've not heard that Cresswell is certainly imminent or, or close or they're talking to him. It wouldn't surprise me if it, they were. I think it's the right type of profile, to be honest. I could see him, him on loan as probably a more... I say experience, he's only 21, but he's played more champion. This is where the mm. word experience is quite broad, isn't it? Because he's Absolutely. not experienced because he's 21, but he's had a full season in the championship playing week in, week out with Millwall and did very well. So he kind of is experienced compared to someone like Telelovic, who's 24, but he's not as experienced championship-wise as Cresswell would be. So that that that's, I suppose, the nuances and of the and the semantics that we need to, uh, that Jan's been talking about as well when he says experience. So... I could see it happening, but I've not had anything to verify that. And, and Gelhard, I've been told quite clearly, is um, is a bit of rumour and agent talk. He was mm. he was linked last year as well. He, it, Rovers looked at him last year, but he was quite far down the list and Jon wasn't sure it was the right fit. And it wasn't really. They didn't need another floaty number 10, play off the right, play off the left, can sort of play up front kind of player last season. They needed a number nine and they still probably, if they're going to add to the forward line, in terms of a striker, they need a proper number nine, not another floaty number 10 like Sigurdsson, like Smodix, like Morin. So I don't see Gelhard happening whatsoever. Cresswell, I've not heard anything on, but profile-wise, it probably does make a bit of sense. It does, and I think we reflected on that last week. Um, I think you're right to, to flag experience in in the way that it comes, in shape and forms. You know, we shouldn't necessarily be guided by age. We should be guided yeah. by what they've done at this level. And I think Cresswell, particularly at Millwall, has proven what he can do at this level. So Cresswell, for me, would be a good, smart loan signing for us. Um, because you've got to strike that balance, haven't you, in terms of who you're bringing in on loan? Because we've got Hyam and Carter, who you would probably say are the first choice centre backs. Scott Wharton, obviously, knocking on the door more this season as well, and he's one of our own. So you've got to get it right with the loans that you don't come in and upset the apple. Good thing about James Hill was he could play right back as well. Although he JLC, could. JLC he could. will be back soon. Um, I, I just think someone like Cresswell coming in allows us to shift Carter out to right back if we do need to do that for whatever reason, injuries, suspensions, whatever. So I like Cresswell, but I'd also be willing to look at someone else that's got equivalent experience at this level. So um, I think a Reardon, good, if we can get that over the line, it fits the strategy. Experience in terms of Cresswell or a like-minded centre-back in that mind. And then absolutely that right-wing position because Hedges is going to need to build himself back in. And then someone that can really push those strikers, you know, some players that have got championship nows, championship experience, regardless of their age, in that mould of Lewis O'Brien and Sorba Thomas. If we can bring those likes in, in those three positions that we've identified there, supplemented with what we've spoken about already, I think Rovers can come out of this window feeling quite strong, especially when you layer on top, JRC coming back, Pears coming back, um, Hedges coming back, Gallagher, Gallagher yeah. coming back. 
you know, there's, there's players coming back all of a sudden and we're going to get injuries again. I'm not saying we're all of a sudden going to have a full fit squad for the rest of the season. Other injuries will occur, of course. But I think particularly those positions at the front end of the pitch, JRC, Gallagher, Hedges, players that Dolan, can really contribute end, for us. Dolan. Dolan's going to be a little bit later down the line, but in February, mm. but not a million miles away either. But they're all coming back and they become like new signings because, you know, December, January, it's a long period of the season where it can feel like another season uh, in some respects. So them coming back, they will feel like new signings when they do. So, yeah, that experience that we've spoken about, Arirden, the two loans that we've already got, and then maybe something that we didn't know about, I think will feel like a good window with the available money, with the available things that we can do, unfortunately, with our revenue streams. Right, let's talk about Cambridge briefly. Um, obviously, Rovers are through to the next round of the FA Cup. 5-2 victory at Ewood Park. Big hat-trick from Sam Smodix in the first half. 19 goals for the season, Ryan, within the first week of January. Unbelievable achievement for him. Took the goals really well. Different kinds of strikes as well. Some real subtlety to the finishing. And he's just been absolutely fantastic. A real revelation. And I think it's worth just praising him again, to be honest, because it's his first career hat-trick. Um, and he's been a real leader for this team. You know, it's not just about the goals. It's the way that he leads the team, the way he presses, the way that he's a big character in the dressing room and for the club as well. And he's really took on that mantle to be a talisman. Oh, yeah, as I think we've said on a previous pod, you know, in the summer when Dak and Brereton Diaz left the club in particular, you know, they were the talisman of this team. And, and there was someone who we were waiting to step up into that mantle. Because to be fair to Rovers fans, we love a talisman. We've had them over the years. You know, we've had Brereton Diaz and Dak. We've had Jordan Rhodes. Armstrong. Um, we've had Ale- Armstrong, Alan Shearer, Matt Janssen. You know, we've had all these players over the years. So we love a talisman. And the numbers that Sam Smodic has hit this season is is absolutely fantastic. But I tell you what, it's all as a result of his own hard work. Because I think that's the th- Thing that you see from him first and foremost you know if any young player needs to observe a player in the championship and, and how you achieve your dreams and, and how you get to the levels you just look at Sam Smodic his conduct off the pitch his conduct on the pitch in terms of his work rate what he does for the side all of those things that they are never in question but what he's developed this season and we saw little snippets last season you know that running behind the Sheffield United uh, defence for the goal away at Bramall Lane you know, he's got that now, so just play on that shoulder, play on that last man and time that run and time that movement in the box to perfection. He seems to have got that down to an absolute T now. So you get your rewards in football. You put the hard work in, you do the basics right that Sam Smodic does, then you're going to get your rewards when you layer on all those other things like the movement and things. So he's brilliant. He's he's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, with the run of form that we've had and, and with the things that we've reflected on this season, you know, where would we be without Sam Smodic this season? Um, you know, it's fair to say that we'd be closer to the relegation zone um, than not. Um, but what a brilliant role he's taken up for this side, because we cannot shy away from the facts around the strikers, Leonard, Telalovic and Ennis and the league goals that they've scored this season. I think has Leonard got three league goals. Is, is that his total? Something four. like that? Is it four, four you know, four go- four goals of, across three strikers. And Sigurdsson's got a, a noteworthy contribution as well. But we needed someone to chip in and we needed someone to stand up and be counted and actually observe the situation and say, we've got inexperience up front. We're coping with the loss of Brereton Diaz that brought a hell of a lot to this side in terms of his dynamism and, and all of the things that he brought. Smodic has assessed that situation and said, do you know what? I'm going to be the man. And, and he has. So you're right to single him out on this pod. 19 goals is absolutely fantastic. 
let's see if he can get to 30. Who knows? You know, on his current run rate, he's projected to that, isn't he? So let's see. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. You could could have got him at 150 to 1 at the start of the season to be championship top goal scorer and reliably informed. The defending was a a big concern again. You know, as much as the second half was quite one way traffic and straightforward, the first half certainly wasn't. Rovers having to come from behind twice. Balls into the box causing a major problem yet again. Nothing to do with the goalkeeper either. Um, The first one's really schoolboy defending. They don't win the first contact, they don't win the fifth contact. As it is, it's then shuffled out to the right-hand side. It's a brilliant finish um, into the back of the net from Lancaster. But they've got to defend better. And that was Rovers' probably what a lot of us would agree is Blackburn's best defence out there on Saturday. And to be defending the balls into the box in the way they did. The second one as well, like it's a it's a calamity of errors. The, the cross, you know, could more and do a little bit more to stop the cross, probably. But he's the least of the concerns. Pickering's got to do far better at the back post. Gets under it, loses the header. But the two centre-backs, what are Carter and Haim doing? They both stood closer to the goal line than they are the, the, the goal scorer. When the ball hits the net, they both, they're almost ball-watching. They're sort of running a line really deep in front of the goalkeeper rather than neither of them going to pick up the, the one striker that they've got to occupy. So for both of them to get caught out like that, I just thought it was really important. Very unlike, particularly Dom Haim in terms of his organisation, to, to give him that much space in the box. And it was a really, really good finish. Um, from Sully Kai Kai, who I, I thought was actually really bright and caused Rovers a lot of problems, to be quite honest. I thought his pace was a, a real trouble for, for Haim and Carter. There was one move in the in the second half where he skinned both of them, literally one after the other, went round them with real ease and then fed it to the right. And they got a shot away that they probably should have done better with, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, the defending, again, it's a real, real concern in terms of balls into the box and not winning headers, not winning first contacts and not being aggressive enough, not being intense enough in your defending. I committed the immortal sin before the game, Elliot, you know, with the runner form. I uttered those words of, let's just have a no frills, no worries afternoon against Cambridge. Have you Cambridge watched Blackburn Rovers this season, right? <laughs> I was just, I said it to Archie, my lad. I was like, let's just, you know, two or three nil, just get through the cup, no problems, just something to boost the confidence. So I committed the immortal sin. So I apologise, Rovers fans. It was oh, entirely my oh. fault when we went 1-0 down in the first 10 minutes. But um, yeah, a real worry um, on a serious note, Elliot, because I was delighted to see the team and the strength of the team because I think when the team is low on confidence, as much as we reflected on last week's pod that we might make a few changes and give other lads a go, I think it was a good call just to try and keep the confidence flowing in the squad um, You know, with you know a lot of the first team there. The defending on both goals is is absolutely shocking. Um, and that is a big concern because, you know, let's just make no mistake, this is a League One side coming to Ewood Park. Yes, they've got their tails up because it's an FA Cup day out. Yes, they've got quite a few fans behind that goal. But we've got to do far better. And when, as I'm sure that they would have done in the dressing room, reflecting on a poor period and a chance to put things right and all the things that I saw pre-match from the players about getting confidence back and all those things... Defending like that is the last thing you do. And and you're right, uh, it was a surprise that it came particularly from someone like Dom Hyam. The second goal, well, let's start with the first goal. I mean, how many opportunities have we got to clear that ball first and foremost? You know, that it, some of it looked like I was watching a Sunday league game when I stood and watched those, just like half clearances, misplaced clearances, all that type of stuff. And fair play to the lad. It's a great finish into the top corner and, you know, Walshdeck can do nothing about it. But the second goal, when you look at when that goal goes in, we've got seven Rovers players in that box. 
that should not go in. Absolutely not. If we've got seven Rovers players in that box and you've just reflected on what are Carter and Hyam doing, why is no one going to him? Just far too easy for Kai Kai to just pick his spot and, and finish that. So that was a real disappointment to depend, uh, defend in that way. But let's give them credit. Rovers don't come from behind very often. Um, yes, it's League One opposition at home that we should be beating. Doesn't really when matter you're coming that, off though, the back, you can only beat no. what's in front of you. You can only beat what's in front of you. And when you're coming off the back of the results that we've had, it would be very easy for Rovers to sit there and think, oh, we've gone 1-0 down, we've pegged it back to 1-1. Going 2-1 down, you could be thinking, oh, this ain't going to be our day. Here we go again. But fair play to the response and led by Sam Smodic. First half hat-trick. You know, he's the one that grabbed the scruff of the neck of this game and said, right, let's just get in front at halftime. I love the fact that he got the opportunity to shush those Cambridge fans. He's obviously got that rivalry there with... Uh, Cambridge and Peterborough, it was good to see him just give it a little bit to them as well, because I'm sure he's copping some flack there. But fair play to Rovers for the response. Would have been very easy to panic. Would have been very easy to feel sorry for ourselves. Not many Rovers fans in the ground to, to get the confidence flowing in the fans and, and be that 12th man, so to speak. So for Rovers and the players on the pitch to drag that game back and go in at halftime 3-2 ahead, I thought that was really, really good from Rovers. And um, yeah, obviously second half, it was probably more of a one-sided story. So potential banana skin turned into something actually that, that gives the fans a bit of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And and the second half was a lot better. I thought Tronstad coming on made a big difference on the hour mark. I thought he really just shut the back door up and just made sure Rovers sustained attacks, didn't get counter-attacked. Counter and Cambridge had looked a good side in the first half, but they just ran out of steam. You could tell they were, they were really playing at the top of their level. And as soon as that dip, Rovers were... Incomplete control. Sigurdsson made it 4-2, putting the game to bed. And we got a first glimpse of uh, Yasin Ayari. Didn't see a lot of him, but there was particularly one nice passage in the second half where he picks the ball up in a tight area uh, and threads a lovely ball through to Morin. He cuts it back. Sigurdsson should score. Smodic's hit a post. And of course, there was a little bit of history because Rory Finneran became the youngest ever Blackburn Rovers player, 15 years old. Um, and and coming on for his debut, which is a great story. Finneran's been with the club since under eights. Um, there's a lot of interest in him from other clubs in terms of the Premier League, particularly very highly rated, very good technically. Um, you know, I've, I've heard suggestions that in terms of his age, probably ahead of where Adam Walton was at, at 15. So that that's really encouraging and shows how highly rated he is. He's not signed a scholarship yet, so. The fact he's, he's sort of in and around the first team, partly down to ability, partly probably down to Rovers track, trying to emphasise that there is a pathway there and he should commit his future for the next few years at Ewood Park, which I think they're still hopeful will happen. But there's always going to be risk um, when they're not signed down and equally they've, they've got other interests. So watch that one with interest is what I would say. Wrexham next up in the Cup, Ryan. What was your thoughts on that game? I'm quite happy with that. They should bring a good away end, uh, pack out the Darwin end, I'd imagine, and Hollywood comes to Ewood. <laughs> it sure does. I mean, let's take the Ryan Reynolds stuff out of the equation. You know, what annoys me the most with the FA Cup draws, the way you get the boring ones that we see every week. So we could have got like Plymouth at home or Hull at home or whatever, whoever's left. Actually, we've got a really interesting tie here, haven't we? So as much as I would have liked Wrexham away for a bit of a ground tick and all of those things, it'll still be a cracking FA Cup tie at Ewood Park. There's going to be a media frenzy. I think I'm right in saying... Um, 
alongside Coventry, I should say. It's, you know, going to be one of the biggest stadiums and, and biggest grounds that they've been to since getting back into the Football League. So it's yeah. going to be great interest from the Wrexham fan point of view as well. And I think it's going to be two sides that will go at each other. You know, I think Jan Dahl Thompson will play on the front foot, as will Wrexham. It feels like a game that will have loads of goals in it. And I think it's just a really, really interesting footballing tie. And I think everyone can get blinded by all the Ryan Reynolds stuff. Everyone can get blinded by all the This Is Wrexham documentary and, and all of that stuff. But uh, welcome to Wrexham, sorry. Um but actually, I think on the face of it, they are a good League Two side and there's not much difference between League One and League Two uh, it, these days in, in modern times. Yep. Cambridge came and caused us some problems at Ewood Park. I'm expecting Wrexham to come to, to Ewood Park and cause Rovers some problems as well. So I think on the face of it, it's got the hallmarks of a really good footballing tie. But actually for Rovers, you know, a League Two side at home in the fourth round of the FA Cup with the draw starting to open up, Actually, you know, let's not look too far forward, but Arsenal have gone out. One of Man City and Tottenham are going to go out next round. One of Aston Villa and Chelsea are going to go out next round. And there's a couple of all Premier League ties as well. And some championship sides have gone out. As we proved last season, getting to the quarterfinals and playing another championship side, incentive for Rovers to, again, win this game and stay in the competition and hopefully get that Wembley day that the Rovers fans are craving for. So I just think we have to go and win the game and, and maybe dream of something later on in the season, particularly if we're not going to make the playoffs as it's possibly looking unlikely that we're going to do. So FA Cup feels like something to focus on for us. And I'm looking forward to the game. I'll be there. Hopefully the TV companies don't move it to random time on random day and, and all of that. But um, yeah, it, it'll be a humdinger. I think it'll be a great game, Elliot. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And we saw, as you say, the Wrexham fans really bought into the Coventry trip last year. Um, so it should be a good time. It's better than playing Plymouth at home, etc. Huddersfield at home, who they've played in the league. So West Brom next up for Rovers in the Championship on Saturday. It's going to be a very tough game. They've got a really good record at the Hawthorns. Very good defensively, fifth in the league, of course. And it's very tough to get back in against the Carlos Corbran side once you've fallen behind. Rovers did, of course, win the reverse fixture on the opening day of the season. Um, so that that was a good omen and hopefully another 2-1 victory would go down very nicely. But it's going to be a very tough game. In terms of what the team might be, obviously you've got Scott Wharton available, so probably going to be available for selection again. Ainsley Pears played in midweek in the under-21s. Is he going to be available? That, that could be an interesting selection dilemma for Jan or whether he, he holds off. I don't think... Gallagher will be ready for this game, although he has been back in training this week. Um, so I think he'll be another week probably for before we see any sort of suggestion of him. He's not even played for the 21s. Then you've got Kriseni and Ayari back available again. But I, I think they'll be on the bench if I'm honest. I, maybe you could see Scott Wharton coming in for Hayden Carter if Jan thinks that his form deserves to keep him in the team. But Carter and Hayam have been the first choice pick for, for the entirety of 2023. I think Crescenti and Ari will probably be on the bench again. And I think we'll probably see a very similar team that we've seen um, in the last few weeks, to be honest. I'm not envisaging many changes. Uh, no, likewise, I think it will be Carter and Hyam and then Britton and, and Pickering as the fullbacks. We've reflected on Tronstad and Wharton as the middle two with Smodic in front. And then I think it'll be Sigurdsson, Moran. Um, and then... Pick, pick well, a, I'd say flip a coin, but there's three of them. Yeah, it'll yeah flip a three-sided coin if that's possible. Um, it'll it'll be one of them, probably Talalovic. I think I think he's fancying Talalovic a bit at the moment. He gets think... some at half time, and then we didn't ask actually whether that was 
mm. or tactical or whether pre-planned. If it was pre-planned, then yeah, I'd probably say Talovic, but maybe, yeah, it probably will. It be just Talovic. feels like probably will be Talovic. Just with the with the physicality of their backline, it just feels like. Well, maybe actually that might take us towards Ennis because I think Ennis has actually shown himself to hold the ball. Up maybe from well, a high point we... of view, they'll set pieces to mm. all. Yeah, that's true. So I think the question mark is over the attacking um, the striker. <laughs> the I think question mark the is always this season is over number <laughs> nine. Uh, it's not the game for pairs. It's far too soon and it, it's tough opposition away from home. It's going to be a real tough afternoon for uh, Walsh Depp. You know, they've got height from set pieces. Um, it's going to be one of those blood and thunder championship games away from home where Walsh Depp has just got to be far better than he has been defending corners and, and mm. all of those things. Secret to our success on the opening day of the season was those early goals, was getting ahead because you're right. I am very fearful if we do go behind. I am expecting us to not come from behind at all if West Brom go ahead. So um, whether Rovers have the ability to keep it tight and nick a 1-0 is one thing, which might then lend me towards, do we actually try and go for them a little bit uh, and try and, you know, have one of those away performances that we've seen this season where we've looked magnificent away from home, going on the front foot, attacking sides, playing that nice stuff. I know confidence isn't great at the moment, but... I just think setting ourselves up to try not to concede, it's got 1-0 West Brom all over it uh, for me uh, if we play like that. If we try and go for them a little bit and we get the first goal, who knows what happens in the game. But it is a game I'm feeling quite pessimistic about. It's a game that I'm not expecting Rovers to win because I think West Brom are just very, very good at home and also very good at this level. Very efficient and Rovers don't like playing against efficient sides, particularly where we're having to work for it. Score prediction? 1-0 Uh, 1-0 West Brom. I just mentioned it. Um, I just, it's not the game for me where we get ourselves back on track. It's Huddersfield at home where we get ourselves back on track because then we've got a few home games coming up. Um, QPR at home, Plymouth at home, um, things like that coming up. They're the ones where we need to turn that home form around. And I think that, I think we will do it against Huddersfield. I'm looking too far in the future now, but I just think it's going to be a tough afternoon at West Brom. They are where they are for a reason. Um, their home form is good and I just think they're a tough nut to crack and I just don't think Rovers at the moment have got that in our arsenal with the way that we're playing to crack that nut. So yeah, 1-0 West Brom, sadly. I agree with you in terms of your analysis of how the game will probably pan out. I find it hard to not back Rovers to score just with the way that they they, they do score goals at the moment. I also find it very hard to imagine they'll only concede one because of the way they're defending at the minute. So I think I'll go for a 2-1 victory, but I think it'll be West Brom probably 2-0 up and Rovers get one back to make it a bit interesting in the final 10 or 15 minutes, but ultimately coming to defeat. And that marks the end of this week's Arte Labore podcast. Thank you for listening as always. Make sure you're following the Lancashire Telegraph at Blackburn Rovers on X and check out the site for the most comprehensive Blackburn Rovers coverage this season and of course in-depth coverage of the transfer window as it progresses this January. You can subscribe to the Lancashire Telegraph to support local journalism. You'll get a better reading experience with fewer ads, plenty of subscriber-only content and plenty more perks. Make sure you go to the lancashiretelegraph.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get an annual subscription or a monthly subscription if you prefer to try before you buy. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next week for another episode of Arte Labore.